Thanks for joining us for the Long Island Sound Podcast. Each week we explore new music and dive deeper with the artists and their stories behind the music. Please subscribe and rate and review us wherever you stream this podcast. Here's your host, Steve Yusko. Jimi Hendrix asked the question, are you experienced? Well, my guest today, Fred Hines, is certainly experienced. We listened to some of his original music, and he's a great storyteller as well. Hey, let's check out his song, Long Pond Road. Driving down Long Pond Road Never knowing which way I'm gonna turn You see, life's been just like Long Pond Road You just can't see Curves and the bends. It's the only way, the way to get home. I tried a hundred other ways, but I still end up down a long pond road. It's hard traveling these days. sun gets in your eyes down a long pond road you won't be blind for very long cause it'll soon get dark down a long pond road if you're gonna make it you gotta be strong it's the only way way to get home I tried a hundred other ways but I still end up down a long pond road it's hard traveling these days it's easy to lose your way down a long pond road No matter how far you roam But there's one good thing About Long Pond Road It's a road where you'll never be alone It's the only way The way to get home I tried a hundred other ways But I still end up down a long pond road. You know it's hard traveling these days. If others pass you by down a long pond road, don't worry, you'll get there soon enough. You see, long pond road will take you anywhere. Traveling 
these days Well, I'll see you down at Panamoka Fred Hintz is a singer-songwriter, guitarist, and has been playing for about a good half century or so. He has a warm, friendly banter that relaxes a crowd and draws them in. Billed as retro folk like you've never heard, he's an interpreter of classic tunes of all genres that he makes his own and will make you a fan as well. He'll spout trivia about a song and its legendary artist before twisting and turning it into something completely different. A ballad becomes up-tempo and vice versa. Sometimes you say to yourself, I think I know this one, and suddenly you go, aha, I do. So uh, that introduction was written by Evan Ginsberg, so I don't want to claim it as my own, but it sounds so fitting for what you do, Fred. Welcome to the Long Island Sound Podcast. Good to have you. Oh, thanks an awful lot. I know we've been talking for the last few months here and there, and... uh... I'm in good company, let's put it that way. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of in these parts. Yeah, just- as, as I say, you know, I'm, I'm on the road to discovery. Uh, even though I'm a, a 61-year-old guy, I'm discovering really an amazing wellspring of talent that is so diverse on Long Island. And it really begins, at least for me, in the bars and the pubs on Long Island and uh, with original music and, and covers and what I find so unique about what you do, and I think this is great, is you make it your own. You know, there are great there are great tribute bands out there that we can reminisce and say, "Hey, that's just like Fleetwood Mac or Tom Petty." But when you make it your own, it's really kind of something special and something very unique. Um, so, how did how did you come about that? You know, is that just what you do, or is that something you grew into over the years? Uh, when I got to college, actually, I tried to. Uh... My initial thought was that I wanted to be an actor, so I signed up for acting, but this, uh, the course was closed out. Mm. And, you know, I went to a small high school where, you know, everybody knew me, and it's like, I'm Fred Hintz. I, what, do you, what do you mean I can't take this class, you know? <laughs> so uh, I, I said, what do you mean I'm closed out, you know? So um, at that point uh, during college, I sang with, uh, n- not in any bands, but with the guys that played guitars and gravitated towards a couple buddies of mine that were more in the folk vein, Tom Paxton, Arlo Guthrie. Mm. And it, it started, they had a place called the Rainy Night House, which I wish I played then. I'd be playing there all the time. So um, in my mid-20s, I found, I decided I'm going to I'm gonna learn. I found, I remember... Uh, answering an ad in the Penny Saver, mm. and the teacher is Steve Ada, who actually is a master of the Chapman stick, probably the master now that Emma Chapman has passed. Mm. The Chapman stick is a, is a full-fretted jazz instrument, really, but you can play anything on it. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so I took three about three years of lessons with him, and I used to bring in records. You know, I'd bring in, like, the Good Rats, Tasty album. I want to play this. Yeah. You know, I, I used to bring it. I remember Stevie Ray Vaughan when his first album came out. Not that I'm a blues guy, but I said, I want to play like this. And Steve put it on the turntable. And he goes, you've got a long ways to go. So, Fred, let me let me ask you this. So I assume you're left-handed then? Yes, I have all left-handed. Okay. Yes. 
Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And they're not easy to find from what I understand. No, you have to stumble on them. Actually, I, I've been pretty fortunate. I have a Gretsch. I have a Martin. I have a, a couple of Fenders and a Takamini. So long story short, I, I learned to play left-handed and um, I kind of drew from a lot of the folks I used to see play in Greenwich Village. Okay. Um, during the late 70s and kind of developed sort of like a finger-picking style, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I moved out to the island, uh, I, uh, I said to myself, well, let me learn 20 songs. Let me get 20 songs down, okay, and then I can play some. So in those days, I think half the set list was John Prine songs, uh, Tom songs, nice. Bob Dylan songs. And I remember my first paying paying gig was at Beckett's Pub in Smithtown. Oh wow! Which was at was at a bar, but shortly after that, I sort of said to myself, um, uh, I, "I'm a folk guy by nature," and um, I was fortunate there were a good amount of folk uh, folk places, you know, coffee houses at the time. Sure. Uh, forwarding into the late 90s because it took me several years to get this together, you know? Okay, yeah. yeah. I started playing places like the Classy Coffee House in Huntington, mm -hmm. which was a very high-profile place. I'm sorry uh, to cut you off, Fred. You know what I, I like about your story? And of the different people that I've, I've interviewed, you know, you run into the artists that, yeah, I started playing when I was six years old or, or what have you. And, and I, I started playing guitar later in life uh, uh, as well, probably in my late twenties. And um, you know, it's what I love about music is it kind of just gets into your veins and the way you've been able to uh, practice your craft and fit it in and now uh, the day job is, is is gone that you can just pick it up and start and start running with it. And that gives the rest of us knuckleheads out here some hope of uh, maybe getting out to the coffee houses and doing the same thing. So it's really great to hear. Well, there's a lot of folks out there that are, let's use 80 as a barometer, <laughs> you know. Sure. The benchmark, you know, you got Bob Dylan, you've got the Rolling Stones. And granted, these are extraordinary talents. Tom Paxton's in his 80s. He's out there. Still, yeah. He's out there. And um, uh, for me, I'm kind of on a reverse track with most people I know. Yeah, I played in bands years ago. Then I had a couple kids. And now it's just I sold my instruments. And Ooh, yeah, know, I'm I'm uh, at. At a time where most folks are, um, are, um, are uh, you know, taking it easy. Wind, winding down, yeah. Winding yep. down, I'm winding up, and I'm getting wound up because uh, I think that, uh, I think that I, I've got uh, a, lot, uh, a lot to offer, something different. Sure. I build the act as something different for a <laughs> you know, hip audience. You know, it's great, as, as, and I found this as well, is as I'm getting older, you know, it's very easy to fall into the trap of reminiscing about the past and getting into that cycle. But when you put yourself out there and you get you get with a diverse crowd, young people, you know, middle aged, the whole nine yards, it really gives you a sense of energy and a sense of purpose, I, I believe, you know. I've also we, we've been out, uh, my wife and I, and we've been out to see quite a number of bands in the last couple of years. Right. And there's an awful lot of talent. Uh, I will say that um, 
there's a lot of folks playing a lot of the same things. Mm -hmm. You know, I told a friend the other day, you know, I've been playing for 30 years. I never played a Beatles song <laughs> or anybody. Right. And he said, really? Nobody ever requested a Beatles? I said, I like the Beatles. It's it's not that. It's it's that there's other folks, plenty of other folks playing that. And I think a goal, a good goal for me or for anybody is to try to establish some sort of identity for yourself. Sure. Uh, uh, I was thinking about that most really successful musicians, you know, people at the, the upper echelon, mm -hmm. one thing they have in common is as soon as you hear them, you know who they are. Right. Right? Yep, within the soon first few you notes. Know, yep. Right. You know who they are. Now, that's, a, that's really something to aspire to. And and that's, you know, face it, a select few. Right. And I, when you're, you try to be yourself, you know, I, I could walk into these places and, you know, and it's not, the booking is difficult, mm -hmm. you know, especially for folks like me that play a little bit out of the box. If I walked in some of these places and they said, what do you play? And I'd say, all right. I'll play you 20 Beatles songs, 20 Tom Petty songs, and 20 Billy Joel songs, right? right. They, they'd say, you're in, you know. Uh, I have to do that, not because I don't like these artists. Don't, don't misunderstand me. It's just that I, I try to serve up different songs. I, I had a, uh, a kind of a different gig the other night. I was the opening act for two bands. Okay. And they gave me about 45 minutes, and I... I, I had to play loud. I did play loud because it was at a bar. <laughs> right. And uh, that, and somebody came up and said, "Wow, that they were very complimentary." Did you write all of those songs? <laughs> I said, "Not really. A couple of them I did, uh, but it's it's I suppose a lot of it is our tributes to folks that that I grew up with. Elliot Murphy, for one, right? Who was uh, who was on the program? Yep." Of obscurity, you know, I'd say an obscurity that I cover, but I, I think a goal is to some sort of find some sort of identity, you know? Fred, you bring up a good point because I was talking to a friend of mine and we talked about nuancing a song or putting your, your voice to a song. And I don't mean, uh, it's more figuratively your voice, your tactic, your, the way you approach it. It's almost like, you know, like uh, uh, Tony Bennett. You know, they say Tony Bennett never sings the same song the same way twice. He always has some sort of nuance to it to make it, it's almost very personal. You know, this is what I'm doing for you right now. And I think that's what's great. In fact, I think, uh, I think you call yourself like the Fred uh, Heinz experience, right? Fred yeah. experience, yes. It's been 1990. <laughs> All right. So, so you're pretty well established there. Hey, let's, Fred, let's do this. Let's just take a quick break. Um, we're going to listen to one of your songs and uh, when we come back. We'll talk about that. But I also want to talk about springing out of quarantine and how things affect you. We spoke a little bit about it over the phone. And I think that's an interesting way to look at, you know, how you get back into the marketplace. So stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. Candlelit, am I? My eyes are slits Jumping now Paper clip 
make a move Sail a ship Tap it in, tap it in, babe On my fingertips She's a mixed up, shook up girl Got me so strung out that I don't know what to do She's a mixed up, mixed up, shook up girl She's a mixed up, mixed up, shook up girl Take a breath in the night Move on over, she said, but there was, there was no end in sight you know that little girl, that girl cut me deep, deep inside, you know why? She's a mixed up, shook up girl, got me so strung out that I don't know what to do. She's a mixed up, mixed up, shook up girl. She's a mixed up, mixed up, shook up girl. Hey you, I remember Those dirty streets Fill me now They fill me now, babe Although you're gone You're not forgotten So why don't you come over here Tell me it's over She's a mixed up, shook up girl Got me so strung out that I don't know what to do She's a mixed up, mixed up, shook up girl She's a mixed up, mixed up, shook up girl She's a mixed up, shook up girl I don't know what to do with her She's a mixed up, shook up girl. She got me, she got me. She's a mixed up, shook up girl. She's a mixed up, mixed up, shook up girl. Hey everybody, we're back with Fred. The Fred Experience, <laughs> which I think is great that you coined that, Fred. Hey, our audience heard your original song, Long Pond Road. Tell us a little bit about how that came about. Not necessarily what it means, but how did the muse hit you and how did you write that? I'm very curious. Well, I, uh, I have tweaked it over the years. It's a few years old. Mm -hmm. uh, um, there's a road. I live in Lake Patamoca, uh, which is... Nobody really knows where I have it is. No idea. Right, it's it's in New York. Right by the cemetery. Yes. Okay. It's right. It's it's an it's a very unassuming area. But in order to get into Lake Panamoka from the north side, you have to go down Long Pond Road. Okay. Uh, it came to me one day. Uh, it's the only way to get home. Oh. And, and uh, the in the song Long Pond Road is kind of a metaphor for life. Gotcha. I tried a hundred other ways, but I still end up on Long Pond Road 
to some extent, you can't change who you are. Right, right, right. And, you know, I wrote the melody, and uh, I, I do a couple different versions of it. Of course, uh, of course. <laughs> that's Fred. Depending where I'm playing, but um, I... Um, uh, there's a, a fellow by the name of Glenn Schaefer that wrote a book a couple of years ago, The Sisters of Lake Panamoka. Okay. And, uh, we connected through the internet. He liked my music. I submitted the song. He said the movie's in pre-production, but they loved it. I don't know who they is. Right. But see what happens. Now, what happened was, in in, in a quick capsule, about six months ago, he brought me into his his uh, fold of artists for booking. Okay. Um, and he's down in Nashville. And unfortunately, he passed away last oh, month. I'm sorry. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, I mean, for me, I lost a, a fairly new friend. Mm. Um, but it's, you know, uh, professionally, it is a setback, I have to say. But I assured his wife I will carry on. Uh, he had some tours for me planned this year in Nashville and Texas. Wow. Um, but um, I'll have to see who's going to take over his bookings. Right. But Long Pond Road, um, you have to take Long Pond Road to get into Lake Panamoka. There's no way. That's, there's no way around. That's great. Hey, so let's, you know, we spoke on the phone. Um, so I don't know if you if you gave up the day job before uh, COVID or after, but I, I I tend to ask guests about the effects of quarantine uh, on their craft, and it it goes in multiple directions. It usually starts with depression, and uh, you know feeling all tied up to uh, potential. A lot of creativity uh, has has come out of being uh, stuck uh, in the bubble, so to speak. How did it work for you? And then when you came, when you know things kind of cleared up, how did it go as far as getting gigs and stuff like that? Well, it benefited me. Okay. Uh, uh, for a number of reasons. First and foremost, um, I had an abbreviated work schedule for several months, mm. which enabled to uh, get some of the music things together, get some of the internet-related uh, things together. I did a photo shoot. Um, things that were kind of on my bucket list to do that I didn't get around to doing. Sure. So 2021 was my retirement year. Okay. So I was gearing up for that. And um, again, I had an opportunity to address a lot of the, the issues I was neglecting, you know, getting more videos on YouTube, getting uh, the photo shoot done, getting updated pictures, getting updated business cards, getting updated bios and things like sure. that. Yep. Yep. There's a lot behind the scenes. Yeah. I was listening to Tom Paxton the other day and he said over the two pandemic years, he wrote 300 songs. Oh my God. Over two years. Wow. And, and he's in his eighties and, you know, uh, I, I look upon him as a mentor. I've met him several times. Oh, nice. And, and, and he is a mentor to me. And uh, because he's still out there, where, do you know, you know is is where does pa, uh, Paxton live these days? Is he on the East Coast or he moved to Virginia? His wife passed away a few years ago. He, he lived in in Amagansett for a lot of years. Oh wow, wow. Um, I'm sorry, East Hampton. Okay, Hampton. Elliot Murphy lived Amagansett. Um, 
he lived in East Hampton for many years and then moved to Virginia by his grandkids. Gotcha. But he's a fellow fella I look at and say, well, you know, uh, he's still got something to bring to the table. Yeah. You know, he's still able. He still has time. Yep. You know what? You bring up a good point because uh, in speaking to musicians and artists, when you have a line in the sand as far as a festival, a gig, or what have you, and you're approaching that, it's a really great goal to kind of add to your repertoire and have something to strive for. You know, the the big show, like the show must go on type of mentality and the fact that you mix it up and don't. And, and it's I, I've always imagined, you know, particularly with big bands and artists, you know, they play a particular song tens of thousands of times right. over their career, right? It's just like, it's it's mind-boggling where I've heard some of them get to the point, I'm like, I'm never doing that again, you know? Don't ask, you know, it's their free bird. Don't ask for it, you know? Right. <laughs> Type of thing. I have not graced their, a couple of their big songs over the years, and and years later they came to the realization that they kind of made friends with it. Right. You right. know? <laughs> yeah, like an old yeah. girlfriend, right? Yeah, I remember uh, reading about uh, Ricky Lee Jones. Oh, sure. You remember her? Oh, yeah. She's a great, um, great singer. For years, she would not play Chucky's in love. Right. You know, she. And I know if it was part of her rebellious nature. <laughs> you know, I'm just an example. And I, and I love I love her stuff. But just using that uh, as an example, you know. But uh, I think about bands, and uh, I'm not a, a huge fan of the Grateful Dead. But I was thinking about how the big name acts today, let's say the Who, the Eagles, mm -hmm. the Stones, to an extent, the shows are pretty predictable, right? You go to an Eagles show, you better hear Hotel California. Right. Or take it. Or you're going to piss a or, lot of people off in the audience. Right. Right. <laughs> right. But the Grateful Dead, and I know a lot of fans of the band, and I was just chatting with one of them the other day and said, You'll never hear a Grateful Dead fan after a show go, damn, they didn't play trucking, you know, or mm. they didn't play the, you know what, you'll hear it at the next show, you know, or maybe you won't hear it for six months, but it, it's, it, it's, it's about the playing, but it's not all about having to hear these same songs. Agreed. You know? Agreed. Um, a lot of these bands I've heard in the last year, local bands, a lot of them are playing the same songs. And when you think about it, look, there's a lot of songs, you know, but there are songs people like to hear. Um, I remember chatting with a, a, a venue owner that uh, I've been trying to get into for, for a number of years, on and off, you know, at mm -hmm. some point you just give up. Right, sure. And she said to me, Fred, to me, said to me, Fred you have to, if you want to play here, you got to play what people want to hear. And I responded, you mean people want to hear Mustang Sally for the eighth million time? She says, yeah, they do. I said, well, sorry about that, but if you care to book me, you'll get a good, you'll get a good show, but you won't hear, <laughs> you won't hear uh, Mustang Sally. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's true. It, and it, it, it takes some gumption, Fred, to, to stay true to yourself. Because it could be easily, well, I really need this gig. I really need to play this venue, and I'm going to compromise myself. I just want to tell you a really quick story. I had a guy on, a guy named Sam Wolf, who was on American Idol when he was 17 years old. Uh, and uh, he moved to New York from Bradenton, Florida recently. A pitch-perfect voice, great pop singer. 
And when he was 17, they wanted to make him into, you know, one of the boy band type of guys and cut his hair and change his look. And at 17 and he turned 18 during the show, he's like, no, I'm an I'm an indie singer songwriter. And I was kind of amazed by that. I don't know if I would have had the the uh, I'll say gumption. I'm really I'm right. really thinking ball the balls to do that, uh, uh, but he did. And uh, you know that kind of carries you forward. Hey, I want to switch ge- uh, switch gears again because it's like a transmission. I keep switching gears, and and we had a conversation. And I really admire you for this. Is in the way you pay it forward in the singing that you do at the senior centers. So can you touch on that for me? Because I think that's. Man, you know, my, my mom was in assisted living and there were always some great entertainers who were really doing a fantastic job. And my mom, uh, my mate, late mom, Florence, was not a joiner of things, but we'd show up. And if there was some music going on, guess what? She was out, out of her room and in the audience. So why don't you touch on that a little bit? Well, I had played uh, several uh, senior centers over the years, mm-hmm. you know, for Christmas, and and other things, and uh, you know, I I draw a lot from older folks, and I'm becoming one myself. What? So when I was getting a play, I'm playing the back nine. <laughs> I, I tell people I'm coming around the clubhouse turn. <laughs> yeah, uh, is a Rolling Stones song. Time is not on my side. Yeah, I so, agree. I agree. And urgency. So when I started to get a plan, sort of a plan together, what do I want to do after I? I hate to use the word retire, transition out of the workforce. Yeah, that's that, the way that. to look at it. Absolutely. Uh, I sent some letters out, uh, a bunch of letters out to some of the local senior uh, centers. Are you looking for an entertainer? Now, some places call it uh, recreation department. Sure. The position I have is called engaged life instructor. And I'm a salaried employee. They have, they have contracted people coming in, you know. Mm-hmm you know, to, uh, to play at various functions. Right. You know, but I'm a salaried employee. I work 20 hours a week. Wow. And, and um, I generate these music, uh, they gave me sort of the freedom to generate these music programs for them. Nice. So do kind of uh, a dancing in the chair type thing. Right. Uh, we sing together. We play Name That Tune, Name That Show Tune. And the whole, I get such a great feeling when somebody says, I remember that song. I was with my husband. We were walking down wherever, Broadway, and if it jogs a memory, I've told these folks time and time again, my wish to everybody is that they're able to still remember. Yeah. And that, that's my goal with these. I, uh, naturally, I like people to participate. I have some women that are in their 90s. One woman's 104, another woman's... <laughs> oh, God bless them. You know, and the pitfall of getting that old is some of them have lost their kids, you know, because their kids are in their 70s and 80s. <laughs> right. But I've come up with five or six different music programs. I'm not just there. For, uh, I, they're just not an audience, you know, and, and I've said that, you know, they like listening to me. Um, that's true, but we're, we're working on something together to enjoy the enrichment of it. Right. You know, not everybody likes playing bingo all day and <laughs> playing cards all day. Um, there's a, there's a woman at, at my place, Steve, if you heard her sing, right. 
I played you a snippet. Now, she's 94. You would swear it's dubbed. It can't be her singing. Wow. She's got an angelic, operatic voice. And yeah, she did sing somewhat professionally as a young lady. And she sings with uh, whoever comes in, you know. Right, sure. Uh, and but it just uh, blew me away. Hey, let's do, let's do this. As we go into the next break, pick one of the songs you think our audience should hear at this point. And I'm thinking of one. I'm wondering if you're going to pick the same one. New Generation? That's the one I'm thinking of, especially after, uh, after this conversation. So, hey, everybody, as we go into the break, you're going to hear the song, an original song. Uh, this is not a song. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, it's a working of a song from the 80s by the Washington Squares. Ah, thank you. Credit. Thank you for that correction. A song, a cover song of the Washington Squares song called New Generation. Check it out, everybody. We'll be right back after the song. Hang with us. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So... Be on the lookout for a new generation Coming down strong Filled with inspiration Be on the lookout for a new generation It's a new generation Well... Our generation used to care about us, but now things are different. Change them we must, fear and desperation. Confusion is scaring us, it's time for direction. Caring and trust, so be on the lookout for a new generation right now. Coming down strong, filled with inspiration. Be on the lookout for a new generation. It's a new generation. Freedom's the birthright for all women and men. Our generation has to win it again love and understanding all all covered with dust it's time for direction caring and trust so be on the lookout for a new generation right now coming down strong filled with inspiration be on the lookout for a new generation. It's a new generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Hey, that was a really cool song, Fred. Tell me how that differentiates from the Washington Squares version and your version. I'm curious about that. Mm. Well, I think mine is a little bit, uh, a little bit Peter, Paul and Mary-ish. Okay. Yeah. 
And I'm a big fan of them. Sure. <laughs> fan of the Washington Squares. Um, two, of the, two of the three have passed away. They were an act that used to play in Greenwich Village. Okay. Uh, see them floating around the village in uh, the late 70s and 80s, early 80s. And um, uh, it's, it's, it fits me. I, I, I like the whole vibe of the song. Um, I've been playing it a number of years. And it's, again, another one of these songs where, where it kind of fits me. Um, I, with a lot of songs, I like to challenge myself, but mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to be misunderstood. I don't tend to reinvent songs. Right. I, I, I play them, you know, uh, if it's a piano-type song, obviously I got to arrange it for guitar, you know, uh, which is a different thing. Um, I do cover a, a lot of obscure folks, you sure. know, hey, that's the best word I can say, which is why a lot of people think I wrote a lot of these songs. Yeah. And you notice you, you, you keep their legacy alive and you, and you bring things to the attention. And I just want, uh, I want to say something, by the way, of anybody we've mentioned, uh, in the podcast so far, for those who are listening to the audio podcast version of this, look to the chapter marks, cause I'll have links to Fred's uh, Facebook page and his music and the different people that we mentioned. So if you want to learn more about the Washington Squares or Peter, Paul, and Mary, I'm going to have a link in the chapter marks so you can uh, uh, catch up on your uh, music knowledge because uh, you got to know where we've been if you want to know where we're going to be going. Hey, Fred, I got to ask you this. So you lived in Brooklyn and you had this I would say quick access into Greenwich Village. What were some of the places that you would go see the acts in the village? Oh, we used to go to CBGB's, Max's Kansas City. Oh yeah. My favorite places though were the Bottom Line and the Bitter End. Right, which are really in close proximity, if I recall. Right. Right. I had seen Harry Chapin at the Bottom Line. Oh, nice. Murphy at the Bottom Line. Patty Smith at the bottom line. Wow. Um, uh, the Bitter End, Tom Paxton, Bob Gibson, um, a lot of the folks that uh, that I draw from today. Now, Steve Goodman is another guy I draw from. He wrote okay. the song City of New Orleans. Oh, sure. At Arlo Guthrie. Had. Um, I saw him play in my dorm in college. Wow. And that was... Uh, that was another um, kind of uh, a bit of a musical turning point, too, mm. you know, and Harry Chapin a number of times, you know. My wife and I have been, uh, Harry, that is, we've been to his house in oh, Huntington. Really? Yeah. Uh, I have a couple things of his uh, through the foundation. Um, and, I, again, I'm not a collector of things. Right. You know, I do have a couple of, you know, I have a copy of his taxi lyrics with all the corrections, original. Wow, they that's neat. Copies, and they gave me a copy. Yeah, I heard. I heard he was a a really genuine, uh, easygoing guy, and I've I've spoke to other musicians who've spent time with him at his home, which is really Absolutely. nice. Uh, uh, I spent a lot of time in Greenwich Village, not only when I was in high school, but when, when I when I worked in Manhattan from 1977 to 1985 or so. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, so uh, those folks that I saw, you know, uh, I draw from, you know. Right. right. Um, did not see Bob Dylan in the early days in the village. No, he was one that somehow 
slip through my fingertips. <laughs> so, so now you're now you're on the East End, right? Pretty much. So what's what what's the happenings out there on the East End? Uh, what do you've got coming up? What are the places that you play at? Uh, and we and I'll feature them also in the chapter marks as well. I'm optimistic because I think um, there's a number of places that are what I call up and comers. Now I haven't played there, but there's a place called the Uber, like Drive Uber Uber Geek Brewery. Okay. Out in Riverhead, Kerry Carney's played there. I hope to be there. Um, at some point in the last couple of years, I kind of decided that I was spending too much time trying to get into certain venues that weren't going to book me. You right, know, sure, it, it, right. It, you know, there's places that I would like to play, and I'll tell you right offhand, uh, you know, uh, places in Patchogue Barbecue, the Brickhouse right. Brewery, 89 North, you know, and I've begun to concentrate on the places that will book me regularly. Right. Um, one thing that that kind of hurt me over the years that um, places that I used to land at regularly right. didn't last long. You know, I didn't have like, you know, a steady gig for a lot of times, like sometimes folks play, you know, I'm there the first Friday every month, you right. know, right, I, I right. never gravitated towards that. But um, one place for live for, Really nice live music is Lucia's restaurant in Middle Island. Okay. They outside, uh, like eight or nine months out of the year, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I've also been playing regularly at the Cava Roots Bar in Port Jefferson. Okay. Which is, um, if I can digress a minute. Oh, go ahead. Uh, this is your stage. I can't say enough good things about it. It's a fairly new place, and it's a bit of a tough sell, you know, because they sell these uh, plant-based drinks. Okay. You know, sort of the kind of gimmick of it is you get a little bit of a buzz, but you're not impaired, you know. And I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. We were talking about booking. You know, I don't necessarily talk money with my colleagues. That's sure. their you know, unless they volunteer. But we talked about booking. We talked about playing for a, a flat fee, playing for, you know, the, you know. So, I mean, for me, I always play for a fat, a flat rate, all right, right. generally, generally. Uh, and at the Cava Root Spa, there was one, there was one night that uh, I played and it was horrendous weather. Mm. I talked to the owner. I said, you know, I, I don't feel right. You know, it was a very light turnout. Sure. Um, I, I don't feel right taking the fee we discussed, you know. And he said, Fred, I'm not paying you. I'm paying you for your talent. I'm wow. paying you for talent to do a job, whether it's entertain two people or 40 people. And uh, I said, you know what? I appreciate that. And here's a guy that's going to be successful because he's looking at the big picture. He's sure. not looking at like, well, we paid four hundred. I gotta pay Fred too, and you know, or whatever. I'm just picking numbers. Sure. You know, he big picture that I'm gonna bring in the long run. I'm gonna bring people in. Right. You know, as you you bring you bring up a really good point. I had a guy on named Dan Donnelly who is seems to play four to five times a week 
while holding down a full-time job. Bravo. He's, I call him the gig master. And he brought that same point up in being flexible or at least making the offer to say, hey, I know you didn't make that much. I don't want to take away from you. And I think that right. type of um, gravitas is is really important because then you kind of partner with it. And I'll tell you, there are not many venue owners that say, hey, I'm paying you for your talent. Right. Others will look at it as, hey, I'm paying you to draw people in. Right. And I spoke to a good friend of mine named Rob who said, you know what? I'm here to entertain. I'm not here to pull an audience in for you. And that's the way he approaches it. Um, and they do have a following. He plays in some cover bands and stuff like that. But it's an interesting take on things. Let me ask you this. I want to go into the third song. Um, so we have two left. Uh, mixed Up Girl and Baby on Board. Which one of your two children, if they're yours, it could be covers. I don't know because I didn't do my <laughs> research. You want to <laughs> pick one and we'll let the audience have a listen to it as well? Well, pick the original. It's a, it's a rough cut of Baby on Board, which is going to be jazzed up. And when you hear these recorded eventually, they may not even sound like they do now, but it's a rough right, so cut. You, so you gave me the the, the, the crappy version. Perfect. Right. <laughs> Down version. Ah, strip down. Yeah, that's that's. The strip <laughs> down. All right. All right. So we're going to listen to Baby on Board, and we'll be right back after that. Stick with us, everybody, and enjoy. I'm traveling light this time around. I'm leaving everybody behind. I'm packing up all of my memories, a new beginning I'm trying to find. I'm checking out of this cheap hotel, I got so many songs to sing. I'm going down that lonesome road to see what tomorrow brings. You know, all I need, all I need. I got my baby on board Yeah, she's built for speed Well, you might ask where I'm headed It's just I don't really know There's one thing that I'm sure of Those rivers are starting to flow You know, all I need All I need I got my baby on board Yeah, she's built for speed place that's gonna tie me down there's no one thought in my head I got a feeling I've been lied to so I'll shuffle the cards instead you know all I need all I need I got my baby on board yeah she's built for speed you know all I need all I need, I got my baby on board. Yeah, she's built for speed. 
got my baby on board. She's built for speed. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We're with Fred. Hey, Fred, we just heard that song, Baby on Board. Tell me how that came about. Just give me a little couple of nuggets about that. Well, being in traffic for years, invariably have a car in front of you and you see baby on board. And I thought probably about a year or two ago, maybe not, uh, that that's got to be a song title. I got my baby on board. Yeah, she's built for speed. Okay. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, you know, I worked around the hook on that and then uh, just came up with some verses. I'm traveling light this time around. I'm leaving everybody behind. You know, nice. So do so in talking about that with the muse, do you start with the lyric and then uh, bring in the melody or is it vice versa for you? Very. Sometimes I got a hook in my head, a hook in my head that I want to work around, you know, mm -hmm. but uh, most often uh, the title comes first, mm. <laughs> you know, and then usually the lyrics. Fred, I want to say thank you so much for your time. You great gave me uh, some great insight. And I think you gave a lot of hope for people who are getting back to their music. Don't sell your instruments. Uh, woodshed it and get out there and spread the love and the healing in the world that we have through music. And Fred, you're absolutely doing that in various ways. So I uh, appreciate your art and your music. And thanks for being on the program. Well, we got a, we got a lot more to create, Steve. And for those folks out there, that are not playing, give your instruments away, sell them. They need a home or start playing them. Got it, brother. All right, until next time, be well, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the time you spent with us. Please subscribe and comment and visit us at gigdestiny.com. Until next time, be generous with your joy, keep your spirits high, and let the music take you on a journey. Be well. Peace.